So I'm going to pray. We'll get into it. God, I want to thank you for this day. I want to thank you that um, you've given us your word. I want to thank you that you've caused it to be written. Thank you that it's, it holds power and it holds grace and it holds your very spirit. That when we open this book, it releases the very spirit of God into our lives and into the world. And so God, I pray this morning that the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart would be acceptable in your sight. My rock and my redeemer. Amen. So mission, you know, we're throwing it around a lot. I mean, it's the big buzzword in like, in, in all the big conferences. Everybody's going missional. Everybody's talking about mission. Jared, Jared came up last week and he talked about his missions trip to, um, to Uganda. Is that correct? Uganda and, and how, he, how the, the group of people he is associated with on his college campus, they're very missional minded, they're missional focused, but we have to understand what that idea of mission is. You see, mission, mission is something that God initiates. It's the foundation of who God is. It's what God is. It's about being God um, sending us, but he initiates that. And we can see this idea of sentness even in the Trinity. God sends Jesus, and then God and and Jesus send the Holy Spirit for the reason of reconciling and fixing and putting back together everything that's been broken. There's a purpose for this mission, but understand, it's God's work. God has initiated it, and he's called us to it. A missional community is a group of people that lives their lives reflecting this very heart of God, reflecting God's heart to bring everything back together into harmony with him. That's what a community of missional people looks like. That's what we're called to. That's what we should be doing, not just on Sunday mornings, but every day. Joining God as he restores Joining God as he brings harmony back. Joining God as he puts it all back together again. But, and there's always a but, but the church has missed it. I think we've, we've, missed, we've missed the point. We've, missed, we've lost our way, especially in the Western world and in, in, in this culture. We have lost this idea of mission, and we've replaced it with some other agendas that churches have. And I would even argue to say that many of those agendas don't reflect the heart of God. We've lost this idea of mission. You see, how we understand church is exactly what will be important to us as a church. How, what we think is important to us will become us. And we have to make sure that our mission reflects the heart of God. How we live individually will define who we are in community. This ain't no joke. This is God calls us to join him in his work. But how we live individually, we become as a community. So if our understanding of church is a place where, where stuff happens, I go to church on Sunday for church service, and then I go to church on Wednesday for the Wednesday night gig, and, and I go to church to worship, and then I have to go to church to pray. Then church just becomes this place where events happen, where things happen. 
and, and, and everything that you do in your life in the context of something you call spiritual has to happen at church. And see, those things, yes, they're important, but they can't be the focus of what church is. Church is not just a place where stuff happens, where events happen. Those can't be, the, that can't be the foundation of what we are, that place where events go down. When I want to hear about the Bible, I go to church. Or if our understanding of church is a place where, where we can shop for religious goods and services, then we become consumers. Consumers of religious goods and services. Church becomes a product that we go and we get from. This is a huge problem, huge problem in Christianity today. People will shop around and find that church that meets their needs. They have to have the right music because Lord knows it's all about the music. And, you know, if I don't like the music, I ain't going. Hymns, ew. No, no, I want, I want contemporary choruses. Drums, oh, drums hurt my ears. I, you, you know, and it becomes, it becomes about the music. It becomes about the preaching, the pastor. Uh, he's boring. I mean, and he dresses in jeans. Please, who dresses in jeans to preach? You know, and all of these things. And, and it has to be about, has to be about, um, the, the, the ministries that are available. Everybody in my family needs to be fed at church. And so I have to make sure that, that, that everything is, is right there for everyone to get everything they need. And we start to shop around for the church that meets all of our needs. Because really is, it's all about us. I mean, that's what church is there for. We're here to make sure that you are all comfortable. Though I love this place because Lord knows you ain't comfortable in the Grange. But, but, but so there's something special about this group here. But I've seen it where people will shop around for that place. And we become, we become consumers. And then eventually, eventually the needs aren't going to be met anymore because, you know, you like different things. You, you mature in your flavors and your sense of what you want. And they go around and they shop for another church. And they look for that church that's going to meet all their needs again. And the people do this like they bounce around from church to church to church. Well, well, this church isn't that good. You know, we stayed here for a while, but this church isn't that good. We stayed here for a while, but, but you know, then this church isn't that good. And they move around. And I would say, man, you know, like, it seems like, like, dysfunction just follows you. Just stay away from our church. I mean, you know, so, so, so you can't become, it becomes consumeristic. And churches then are pitted against each other to try to vie for, to try to get people to come in an ever-growing, fickle population of people wanting to brand and wanting to consume religious goods and services. And we call that actually the attractional model of church. There's a term for it where we try to do things, set things up to get people to come to us. And if that's our understanding of church, we're just a consumer model of religious goods and services. But what if, what if we were to think about church in a different way? What if we had a biblical understanding of church? What if, what if we understood that church is a group of people that gather together every once in a while, but live their lives on mission for God. Now, you may ask, what mission? That's a great question if you were asking that. If you weren't, shame on you. You'd just wake up. Come on, let's get with it. But, but what mission? What mission? I mean, every church has a mission statement. Every church would consider themselves on mission. We, 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 have, we have rules on how we're supposed to write the mission statement. And we want people to understand the mission statement. It should be very simple. Put it on a T-shirt so we can all wear our mission statements around 
But unless that mission reflects the very heart of God, we have missed the point to understand that we are on mission. We have been invited with God. Us, we broken people have been invited to join God. You know what we've been invited to? To live comfortably among the people who never go to church. Imagine that. We always say, oh, no, you know, don't, don't get comfortable out there. No, man. People know when you're not comfortable. People know when you're, you're just putting on a face. People know when you're just, you're just trying to, if you have an agenda. We're called to live our lives that reflect God's mission out there in the world. We're called to engage the culture, engage the world like that guy. Um, what's his name? Uh, oh, Jesus. Right? This, this is what we're called to, to, to befriend people, build relationships with people that may never set foot in a church. This is what we're called to. This is what God's mission is. And, and, I, and I think that, I believe that we, we Christians, we get afraid. I, I, call it, I call it the cigarette syndrome. And, and this is just kind of, this is just, you won't find this in a book, but maybe someday when I write mine. But anyway, so... Um, I call it, we, we don't like to be uncomfortable. See, out there, man, it's uncomfortable. It's like, you know, people are just, Christian people are just uncomfortable. Like out there with, you know, like, <gasps> you're swearing. We were at a party yesterday. Oh my goodness, if I had a dollar for every F-bomb, I, I would take in a day off because I wouldn't need your money this week. I mean, I mean seriously, I mean, it's like my, my daughter even came up to me. These people swear a lot. I was like, I know. You know? I was just like, whoa, my family. But anyway, so, um, and, 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 and <laughs> Wes, we got to strike that off this record just in case. Um, <laughs> and, and, and so, but, but we get, and, and it's the cigarette syndrome because, you know, we, we, cigarettes stink, right? And we, we don't, we don't want to, we don't like to get cigarette smoke on our clothes because it's, it's smelly. And well, well, I agree, but you know what? Arrogance stinks. And a heart that doesn't break for the people that God wants to restore, you know what? That, that stinks. Religious arrogance stinks. Religious indifference stinks. Now, I'm going to make a really broad statement here, but I'm, and I'm going to go out on a limb, and I understand that. Here I go. I'm out there. Okay, here we go. I haven't asked God this, but I would bet you that God doesn't mind cigarette smoke at all. I bet you arrogance breaks God's heart. And so we have to not be afraid to get our clothes a little smelly, to be in those places where the people, where, where, where people are that God wants to restore. This is the mission that we've been called to. Oh, you know, but, you know, I'm around cigarette smoke and I get a headache. Whiny Christians give me a headache, but I deal with them all the time, you know? I mean, not that any of you whine or anything. I'm just, I'm just saying, in general... You know, and, 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 and we can just use that for anything. Why, why, why do we expect people who don't follow Jesus to act like Jesus? Why do we make people believe before they will be allowed to belong? Why don't we just give them a sense that they belong and watch them come to their own belief? This is what we've been called to. This is what, what God wants for us. Now, when this idea of mission, when this idea of missional gets, gets beyond a theory, gets beyond a word, gets beyond um, something we just talk about in church on Sunday, when it gets beyond that, you, 
no longer can just sit in this seat and do nothing. You can no longer be just that Sunday morning Christian. See, we have to begin to understand that that church is the people of God partnering with God in his redemptive mission in the world. And that should create in us the sense of urgency to get off our butts, two T's and one, and do something. This is what God has called us to. Not some storefront, here you go, here's, here's your religion stuff. Got your worship on today, got a little teaching today. Got some hugs, Christian hugs, you know, the butt-to-back ratio thing got going on. You, you know, and we're all, we're all feeling, come on, you know we hug that way. It's just the weirdest thing. Nobody in the world hugs like that. <laughs> it, it is, right? I walk around, I see everybody like, oh, good morning. You know, Some people wiggle it, too. I don't, I'm just saying. Anyway, you just let me go on. Stop interrupting. So, so anyway, where was I? Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but as... See, we have to remember that the church isn't a what. It's not an event. It's not a thing. Remember last week, church is a who. And we have to understand that being a who, we are the who. And so we should, we should offer the world a different kind of hope, a hope that's not based in any human activity. We should live a different kind of grace. We should, we should love with a sacrificial love. This is what a who does. And when you understand that, when you understand that you are the church, that means wherever you are, wherever you find yourself, the church is. Wherever, whether it's your job, whether it's your school, whether it's your neighborhood, whether it's at your family outing, that place you don't want to be sometimes, wherever it is, you are, wherever you are, the church is. And that's exactly what the world needs. The, the world needs a group of Jesus followers that are there, that are, that are invested, that are interested, that, that, that want to be involved. This is, this is what we need in the world today, to look for ways and to find ways to come alongside people, to bring healing that, that people would understand, that we would help them understand that there's a loving God who loves them beyond what they can ever imagine, and he wants them back. Helping them see that there's, there's something much bigger in the world than just their own lives, that they could be, they're invited into something much bigger to help people understand that without a relationship with Jesus, in the end, man, it goes bad. That's the reality, and it's, it's there. It goes bad. And so this is not just the gathered church, us, creating expressions of missional living. This is about each one of us creating expressions of missional living. Each one of us in our own lives where we find ourselves every day. I'm gonna, I've asked Chris DiPaolo, he shared with me a story this week of when he was out on business. And Chris, why don't you come up? Actually, could you use that microphone right there? Stand behind that. Hello. Hi. Happy Mother's Day. I want to thank everyone for uh, praying for the kids on Charles Webb. Apologize in advance if I get emotional. I've become an emotional basket case for this whole thing. My uh, wife the other day called me crying in a Sharma commercial, so... 
It's just uh, bear with me if I do. Um, Dennis wanted me to share a story. Um, I just want to come to a little background. Um, every morning, I, not every morning, because a lot of mornings I'm too busy through work and other things where I don't have the time to pray or listen to WIHS or whatever that may be through travel, whatever. But the days I do remember, I pray, Lord, I know I'm thinking about what I got to go through work. And, and I say, Lord, give me some time to put aside to do service for you, whatever that may be, through Charlotte's Web, the golf tournament, whatever. Pray for somebody, whatever that might be. So I was uh, traveling down to Alabama for a um, sales call, one sales call to see one customer, got up real early in the morning. Um, and a little background on the story, there's a boy named Aiden who we had met in the hospital. We did a lot of blood work when Charlotte first had a stroke, and we met them a bunch of times. We actually met them at the Ronald McDonald House for our outreach. We met the grandmother because um, the family was staying at the Ronald McDonald House because he had been in the hospital for about three months. Um, and it was just amazing how we ended up meeting this child because I heard through the grandmother about him. He was just a little boy. He was 23 months old. Um, he's born with half a heart, um, suffered a stroke, lost his vision. I mean, a bunch of different things. Family been through a whole lot. So long story short, we met the grandmother. We told the story. We told about Charlotte's Web. Um, we go in to get blood work at Yale and um, just happen to be like, as soon as these kids go through the door, they know they're getting blood. They start getting nervous. So Charlotte saw the doctor. They wanted to put her back outside to wait to get the blood work. The nurses know us well enough. They're like, you know what? Stay inside so you don't have to go through that hole, crossing the barrier, back into the blood work thing. So we're sitting there, and all of a sudden I hear about this boy. Oh, yeah, he suffered a stroke, and he can't see. And I'm like, hey, is that Aiden? I'm like, are you Aiden? And she's like, yeah, this is Aiden. I'm like, how you doing? I'm Krista Paul. She's like, is this Charlotte? And she starts talking. My grandmother told me about you, long story short. So this is about five months ago. They are telling us they are moving down to Alabama because um, the daughter was going to go live with the parents who moved down there, and she, just because she, you know, needed help. She couldn't, she has to take care of this kid all the time. She didn't have a vehicle to get back and forth to the hospital. So that, that, that's the story. They moved down to Alabama. Four and a half months, we lost touch with them. And it was kind of, you know, I was, I was pretty upset. And that was one of the, one of the lessons I learned through this thing was to try to get as much information so you can, you know, be able to update and learn more and just see how everyone's doing. So I'm driving down. I fly into Mississippi, which was a weird thing too, because I could have easily flown into Mobile, Alabama, but for some reason it was a better price than, a, you know, Gulfport, Mississippi. So I'm driving through Gulfport, Mississippi. I've been up three in the morning for a six o'clock flight out of New York. I'm tired. I'm driving by and all of a sudden I see Daphne, Alabama. I'm like, Daphne, Alabama. I'm like, that's, I think that's where they moved, you know, kind of a weird thing. So I go to my sales call. I spend the entire day with this guy. Um, start telling the story about Charlotte. Start telling him about the fact that, you know, this boy moved to Daphne, Alabama and I was considering seeing him. He's like, you've got to call her. He's like, that's crazy. He's like, when's the last time you built in Alabama? I'm like, never. He's like, well, do me a favor, make the phone call. So, it came with a little apprehension, you know, because the kid had a stroke. He's got half a heart. And I'm sitting here. My heart is, like now, is coming out of my chest as I'm dialing these numbers. I'm like, man, this kid could have died. You know, it could have been anything. So make the phone call. Say, hey, Sam, how's it going? It's Chris DePaul. He's like, hey, what's going on? This is his, his, uh, his mother. How's it going? I'm like, good. How are you doing? I'm like, I was thinking about you because I'm driving through Alabama. She's like, you're in Alabama? I'm like, yeah, pretty crazy, right? Pretty weird, random thing, right? So she's like, I'm like, how's Aiden doing? She's like, he's doing great. And I'm like, whew, huge sigh of relief, you know? I'm like, that's great. She's like, I'm like, you know, I was so weird. I was just driving through Daphne, Alabama. She's like, no, you weren't. She's like, we live, we don't live in Daphne. We moved to Spanish Forks, which is the next town over. I'm like, Rich, like, where are you? I'm like, I'm in Mobile. She's like, you're seven minutes from my house. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. That's crazy. So she's like, come over for dinner. And I had met the, the grandmother and the mother. Um, at the hospital, I met the mother. I met the grandmother. The mother's like, he has to come over. Tell him to come over for dinner. I'm like, all right, you know, I had a big plan, Applebee's, sit in the hotel room, wake up in the morning, do my thing. And I'm like, 
right, let's go. All right, so I'm like, all right, this is obviously meant to be. This is crazy stuff going on. And so I'm like, all right, I'll come out and see you. So long story short, get to the house, uh, meet the parents. I, mean, I met the mother, met the father, um, saw the daughter. The boy was sleeping. Aiden's sleeping because, you know, he's still, he's doing really well, but he's got a lot of health issues still. He's got born with half a heart. Um, but to make a long story short, it was great, great, great time. Had a multiple opportunities to witness the family. They, you know, were in full agreement. And I don't know what happened. It was God moments where, you know, I'm not well-versed in the Bible, but there was Bible verses coming out of me that I couldn't believe, you know. It was just a really cool event, you know. Um, so, you know, and then they found out that these guys have a lot of needs. The mother doesn't have a car. She can't work because she's, she's had two jobs. She's been fired both times because her son gets rushed to the hospital. Something happened, so. So they got a lot of need. So it was just a, a really cool event. And, and I think the, the gist of the story is to, if you get that opportunity, take that leap of faith, you know, make the phone call. God, uh, God puts a lot of stuff every day on your heart. Could be saying hi to somebody, opening a door, whatever, you know, do it. That's what I would say. Take the time. Do it. If he's putting it on your heart. I mean, it's probably a reason for it, so take a chance. Worst case, they could look at you like you're an idiot, and that's it. Day's over. Could, or could open up a door for something else. So that, that's just my encouragement. It goes right along with Dennis says. You know, it was great. It was a great event. I mean, great day. It really was. So just, uh, I mean, it's an encouragement thing. And it, my, I'm in a different situation. My daughter was sick. I've witnessed more in the last eight months than in the last five years, you know. Now, you know, wish I had done that. I wasted so many years not taking that leap of faith, not taking that time out of my day to serve God. And as much as it's been a trial, it's been the best eight months of my life because I'm doing things that actually have internal significance. The rest of the stuff means nothing. So just I hope it encourages somebody today, whatever. Just take that leap of faith. Open the door. Say hello. Ask someone if you can pray for him. Share the word, you know, share your story. Share Jesus, you know. It's uh, be amazed at what God will do in those situations and be amazed at the words he'll put in your mouth and, and the peace that comes from it and, and the great feeling you get when you know you're doing, doing what you're supposed to be doing. So thanks again. Uh, God bless. Thank you, everybody, for all your work. You get me in a public thing. I think of the Jerry Seinfeld story where he's like, you know, number one fear in the world is public speaking. The number two is death. And he's like, people would rather, you know, be in the casket than say the eulogy. That's kind of how I feel public speaking wise. But, you know, I, I hope that encourages somebody today that you guys just take that opportunity to, you know, take that leap of faith and, and let God work. Amen. You see, it's, it's, it's about living every day, living every opportunity intentionally for Christ. It's about going from this, this mindset of, of church to the, to, to the mindset of, of mission, to the mindset of, of the kingdom. And when you look at life through kingdom lenses, when you look through life through, through the mission that God has set us on, things begin to change. You start to see things much differently. You start to look at just ordinary opportunities and how you can instill the words of God into it, maybe without using words at all.
when you, when you, when you look through this, this, this kingdom lens, this missional lens, even, even this book begins to change. Even how you read this book begins to change. It no longer is just the story of God revealing himself to his people so they can live the right way. I mean, it's there. That, that part is there too. But it, begin, it begins to be um, the book that helps us understand what God's mission in life is for us. And it's an invitation, and it's a guide to join him in that mission, to come alongside, see where he's working. It's a story that, that should disrupt our lives, disrupt our complacency. It should, it should freak us out, like we said last week. It should make you, make you look at your own life and the things that you're doing and how you're living and, and, and compare, how am I doing? It's what God has called us to. And even as you read this through a missional mindset, through, through kingdom eyes, even the stories in here, they will begin to change. And what I want to do is I, I want to take a look at about a half a dozen verses. I know that's very uncharacteristic for us, but, but I want to spend some time looking at some verses in the context of this, this missional mindset. All right? So the first verse, Wes? Out of Genesis 12. The Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. Not so good. And all people on earth will be blessed through you. So here's God calling this guy Abram. He's calling him to leave everything that's comfortable. He's calling him to leave his inheritance when he says that, leave, go from your country, from your father's household, you see, he was going to get his father's stuff. He had an inheritance. God says, you know what? Leave that and go. I've got something for you. From the very beginning, God's people have been called to be a blessing. We have the responsibility. We have the joy and the opportunity to be a blessing to everyone, not just his people. God, God is always on the move and God wants to bless everyone. You know the story of Jonah, that guy that became fish food? So God tells him, he says, listen, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. Nineveh wasn't a very nice place. Nineveh didn't like the people of God, but I want you to go and I want you to tell them they need to pull it together. They need to get it together or things are going to go really, really bad for them. And Jonah's like, yeah, no, I ain't doing it. They don't deserve it. I ain't going. And that whole, you know, gets eaten by the fish, and it gets to be an ugly story. But here's God going, I want you to go. And Jonah's like, no, I'm not going. They don't deserve it. And too often I see people that they call themselves Jesus followers just write people off because they don't deserve it. Look at the bad choices they're making. They need to sleep in the bed that they've made. Maybe we need to rethink how we think of those people out there. And God's like, dude, and I believe in the Hebrew, it actually translates to dude. How can I just turn my back on all of those people? See, the story of Jonah is about God wanting to redeem the enemies of his own people. God has a heart for those people. So I want anybody to perish. Next slide, Wes. First, the Exodus. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, 
then out of, all the, out of all nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you'll be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you're to speak to the Israelites. Then we find in 1 Peter 2, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. God has called us into this priesthood. You know what that means? We can take part in things that are very, very sacred to him, that we can bring people into, introduce people into this relationship with him. This is the nature of, of who God's people are. This, this verse, and especially in, in uh, 1 Peter, should define who we are and how we live our life. If we if we call ourselves Jesus followers, then we, are, we have Christ living in us. We are the incarnation to the entire creation that God has created here, everything. And, and if we are, then we are called to reveal his heart. We are called to share his story, and we are called to demonstrate the life of Jesus out there. This is God's mission for his people. John 3.16, the next verse, Wes. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Jesus says these words. I'll call this the coffee cup verse because it's always on all the coffee cups. And I think we just come, just like it desensitizes to the depth of, of what this verse actually says. Jesus is talking to a Pharisee, Nicodemus, and he tells them this. And, and, and what Jesus says, and this is for Nicodemus, this is hard to get his mind around. Very, because it doesn't say, for God so loved the Jews. And if we take that into our day, it doesn't say, for God so loved the Christian, for God so loved the church. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave Jesus. And you have to understand that for a Pharisee, the kingdom of God, the love of God, was a reward for God's people. It was theirs. Not, not, not them out there, but, but it was for God's own people. And this is just, this probably is just shaking up Nicodemus. It would never be. They could never even begin to think that the love of God would be for some pagan beer drinking, cigarette smoking, foul mouth people in the world. No, that's eternal damnation in hells for them. Kingdom of God's for us. But Jesus says, no, 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 no. For God so loved the world, the entire world is in God's sights, not just the church not just Christian. All people are loved by God because all people have been, cre- been created in his image. Next verse. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Do you get this? Do you see what's happening here? In God's eyes, loving him is right up there with loving others. In the substitution of any religious activity, including church, instead of loving on people and helping people and serving people, man, that just don't fly. That dog don't hunt, as they'd say in Alabama, I think. And, 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 so, and so God has called us. You'll get that later, don't worry. And, and God has called us to, to love our neighbor's like we would love him with everything that we got, everything that we have. The kingdom of God plays out in every act of love, every act of kindness, every act of compassion or service or generosity. And no matter who's doing it, 
no matter who is receiving it. Love cannot exist outside of God. God is love. And so he calls us. You want to love me? You love your neighbor. You want to love your neighbor? You love me. It's the circle of life, Hakuna Matata. I'm glad I stuck that. I'm glad that song will be in your head now for the rest of the day. You can thank me later. The kingdom of God brings life. Next verse, John 10. This is John 10b, CI study. I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. You know, this is, again, these are the words of Jesus. And I really think what Jesus is saying here, and, and I believe it's in the Greek translation, he's going, you know, get a life. Really, come on, get, get, a, get a life for the here and for the now. Will, will you please? Jesus, he demonstrates what a, what a fulfilled life looks like. He demonstrates what being on mission looks like. He demonstrates a life that is lived for God. And you know what? It's not always easy, and it's not always fun, and people tried to pull him from it and divert him from it. People try to criticize him for it. It wasn't always mountaintop experience, joy-filled, skipping through the posies, just loving life all the time. You know, that whole beaten, tortured, cross thing? That couldn't have been enjoyable. But he demonstrates how to live a fulfilled life, not just a life that's filled full. And I'm afraid that we, we just get caught up, as Chris said, with things that, that don't matter. That don't matter. That have no eternal significance at all. And God says, no, I've, Jesus, I, I've come to give you life, a full life. He, he, he lived it for us so we know it's God's plan for his people to the people. Dude, are you getting this? Are, 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 you, are you seeing this idea of mission? And if you start to read the Bible through these lenses, you're going to see it more and more and more. Verse after verse after story after story after verse. God on the move. God doing something. Let's do one more. You are the salt of the earth, but if the earth loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house, salt penetrates, it permeates, it preserves. It is not just neutral when it lands in food. It's an active agent. It changes flavor. It enhances flavor. We should be the salt of the world. We should penetrate into it, permeate it. We should change the flavor of it. We should be the active ingredient for God out there in the world. And the whole light thing, well, that's, you know, that's easy. I mean, if you got dark and light comes in, guess what? It's not dark anymore. But it goes way deeper than that. You see, when the people of God live the way that God has called them to live, then other people see God. Do you get that? When we live the way we're called to live, people see God. When we engage, when we love, when we serve when we, when we are in the culture, our thereness helps people see God. And if we fail, 
to live the way that God has called us to. It comes with, man, there's a lot of, there's a lot at stake here. There is a lot at stake. If we fail, the world begins to fail to see God. It's a huge responsibility that we have. Yes, there is joy of being saved from, and that's good. But there's a responsibility in being saved too. And so, you know, as you read, well, some of you have to start reading this book first. Okay, let me just throw that out there. And, and as you read it, begin to read it through the missional lens, the kingdom lens, not just some church thing. It, this is not just your, your Tony Robbins self-help book. This, this, is, this is a roadmap for the kingdom of God and all people, everyone walking on this planet. No matter race, creed, or color, they have been created in God's image. Whether they be Muslim, Hindu, atheist, agnostic, Wiccan witch, have all been created in the image of God. And because of that, those people matter to him. And just because they are people, they deserve to be blessed. They deserve that the people of God would pour out his blessings upon them. Just because, not so we can get them to church, not so we could, you know, have an agenda all the time. Just, just to love, to build those relationships, to enter into God's redemptive plan. Everyone captures his heart. And he wants to restore relationship with them. And he wants to give them the benefits of that stored relationship. Yes, even that idiot, that fool at work that aggravates the death out of you. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Oh, Dennis, doesn't it say in the Bible that we shouldn't call anybody a fool because we're in danger of the fires of hell? Okay, let's, let's, let's clear this up right now. Okay, what the Bible says about that is this. You should not call somebody a fool who is not a fool. The Bible calls people a fool all the time. The Bible calls fools fool all the time. Read Ecclesiastes. Read Pro- okay, I was in Ecclesiastes. Let me just give you, this is a good one. Ecclesiastes 10, where is it? Dun, 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 dun. You ready? I love this verse. Even as the fools, even as the fools walk along the road, they lack sense. And show everyone how stupid they are. Okay, if that's in the Bible, okay? You know, if, if the glove fits, you must not acquit. I mean, so, so here it is. So, so even, but even those people, God wants to pour out his blessing upon them. And who are we to judge who gets blessed and who doesn't? And so as Jesus followers, we are called to engage humanity on every level. Political, social, economic, cultural, physical, psychological, and yes, spiritual. If Jesus came to give life and to give it in abundance, then we need to engage in the things that give life and give it in abundance. And here's the thing, and this is what makes me really scared for for me personally and for us as a church. God is not going to wait for us. God is not going to postpone this. He is going to continue to move forward with people that have eyes that that see, ears that hear, and a heart that breaks for the things that is breaking his heart. And he will leave us behind. He is not up in heaven right now going, yo, Jay, Holy Spirit, let's let's put a hold on this whole reconciliation, redemption thing, you know, until they get it, they'll come around soon. No, no, no. He is moving forward. 
with this. And we have been invited to join him, but we have to make the decision, not just as a church, but as individuals in our lives, that we will join God in moving forward with his plan of redemption. God is always at work. He's always doing something, and he's always doing something new. And you know what that means for us? We don't have to get stuck in the same thing that we do because that's what we do, and that's the way we do it all the time. We can join him in something new. That's why Chris gets pulled to, to Alabama. Who goes to Alabama? I mean, come on, for real? And in and, and the West back there, he's, he's taking junk computers and trying to give them to, to inner city kids and, and trying to refurbish them. Those are the things that God calls us to, to get on mission with him if we claim to be the people of God. If we claim to be a church of God, then we have no choice but to be involved with his missional journey. If we think that we can be successful apart from making the world a better place, we've missed it. We've missed it big time. And to willfully miss it, to willfully live a selfish life, to willfully just kind of huddle up in the safety of our own little church, I mean, can we even call ourselves? God's people. You know, that's kind of that's that, that lukewarm thing it talks about in Revelations 3. And you know what, you know what God says he's going to do with the lukewarm church? He's going to hawk them up and spit them out. We will become a divine loogie. <laughs> Maybe TMI, but, you know, I feel we know each other a little bit. Seriously, this is the thing that God, God called. I mean, can we call ourselves the people of God if we're not living this. Mission is not a place we arrive at. Mission is a place that we're constantly moving toward to figure out what God has called us to do, to figure out how God has called us to to live this this life in this world. And so I'm going to give you some homework this week, okay? You're going to have homework. This week, I would like you to take one hour and go to a public place and pray. Now, now, don't pray out loud. And if you do, don't tell them you come here, okay? Just, just, just go and sit in a public place, park bench, street corner, in front of your job, in front of stop and shop, in front of your school, wherever it is, and sit there and ask God, God, what is it you want to show me? What, 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 where are you working here What are you doing? What's breaking your heart that you want me to be involved in for one hour this week? Now, y'all can't argue that that's a really good homework assignment because prayer, come on. But see, here's the thing. Most of you won't do it because you'll leave here all hyped up and then life gets in, man, and you got all these things going around and you'll get around to it eventually, maybe next week. From... 11.30 today to 11.30 next Sunday, there is 168 hours in your life. Do you think, do you think that you can give God just one of those hours to pray that he would reveal to you his heart in the world? And that's not just... We're going we're gonna to put some legs to that homework assignment because what I want to see come out of that is a different way of us doing our outside the walls event. See, our outside the walls event has been very successful. In fact, um, Wes, is there a picture 
of Renee. There she is. There's Renee. Renee lives in, in Watertown. Amy? Oakville. I'm sorry, Oakville. And um, where those trees are in the back, that, that was a fence. And we're supposed to go there on our last outside the walls, um, Ted Garish and Don Romanski. And they were supposed to just kind of shore up the fence. Well, the fence was junk. They ended up tearing it down with the neighbor who came over to help, got some dialogue going there. She wanted trees planted. So Ted and Don, out of their own finances, buy these trees, go back, plant the trees. And, and, and so here she is sitting by her new row of trees. This is, this is one of the success stories of our outside the walls. But you see, it's turned into where we create these opportunities for people to just bounce in, do a few hours, and bounce out. And I'm afraid I'm selling you guys short. I'm afraid that, that it's not instilling in you a passion and a desire to live missionally every day. And so what I want to do is, as, as you pray for this hour this week, and hopefully it'll go even farther, that you'll do it maybe every week. You'll, you'll just go to a public place and ask God, God, what are you doing here? That you would bring back what God has told you. And you will tell myself or Amy, this is, this is, I see an opportunity here that we can serve. And then you do some of the legwork to make that happen. This is about recognizing where God is working, where God is moving, and you taking responsibility to bring those things to us as a church. And then we can create teams and go, hey, guess what? So-and-so found this, and we're going to go out and we're going to do this. And if nobody comes back with anything, we're not going to do outside the walls because I don't want this to be another church program. I want this to be an individual lifestyle that we live because remember who we, how we live as individuals we end up being as a community. And so for one hour this week, in some place where there's lots of people walking and there's lots of stuff going on, say that simple prayer, God, what are you doing? What breaks your heart here? And what are you calling me to do about it? Let's pray. God, we give you the glory. We give you, we give you our lives. God, I know it's, it's, it's crazy, and, and sometimes life gets crazy. And, and God, we want to, we can't argue with you that this is what you've called us to. But God, don't let us get distracted. Don't let us lose our way. Don't, don't let us lose sight of you as you move your plan forward in the name of Jesus. And so God, strengthen your church to join you in your mission to redeem the world. Amen.